Welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. (laughs) Welcome back to the latest episode of the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. As always, we will be your co-hosts. I'm Lizzie, and this is Dean. Now, if you find value in this episode, be sure to give us a like, subscribe, and drop a comment below on YouTube. Share us with your friends. Give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram, just do that by putting in at flex underscore success. And while you're on Instagram, you can check out everything we offer from our eBooks to courses and programs. You can book a consultation or inquire about coaching via the link in our bio, or you can do that on our website. Enjoy the episode. Today, we wanted to give you a treat and use our fancy new camera for those watching on YouTube for a crisper picture. Didn't quite work out there, did it, Dean? No, we're relying on manual focus right now, which changes every time the sun goes up and down. So. And every time I move left and right. So anyways, those listening, you'll know no different. But those watching on YouTube, we tried. Enjoy we, the blur. Enjoy the blur. We are using the fancy camera. We just don't know how to use it properly. Mm. We're coaches, not videographers. So deal with it, guys. It's true. Deal with it. What are we here to talk about today, Dean? I have no idea. Okay. I just showed up this morning. No, that's not true. We're talking about diet types. <laughs> we did a full prep for this show. You do know. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about diet types. We thought that we would unpick uh, diet types so that you're clearer on, you know, how we can fit every different diet under the sun into one of these three categories um, and help you understand maybe which category of diet you want to be following. We'll talk about the pros and cons of them. Mm-hmm. Um help you understand how you might want to overlap two different types of diets and combine them to make something that works for you. Isn't that cheating? Is it cheating? Shouldn't one just follow the type like it is the answer? Absolutely. Religiously. Just yeah. follow it religiously. That's the whole point of this conversation, right? <laughs> is to give people the opportunity to make some informed choices. But before we get there, actually, Dean, we like to give just a quick personal update, oh, don't we? Okay, yeah. Okay, quick personal update. We are still looking at moving to Spain. My God, the visa application process is an absolute pain in my ass, isn't it? One would call it a ball lake if they had balls. One would call it a ball lake. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's not a simple process. It's, it's not a there's simple process. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. And oh, my God. We're probably just going to hire someone to tell us what to do. The, the, can, we just, can we just go there illegally and just overstay a visa and just hope everything's fine? Yeah, well, I mean. I'm, I mean, te- I'm honestly tempted. The red tape. Is just wait until they find us and kick us out. If we only stay in Schengen countries, so there's like, what, 25 countries under that agreement? Yeah. They'll never know we've moved around. Yeah, it's true. Probably not, though. Anyways, Portugal's coming up very soon. Um, sorry, Portugal. We are in Portugal right now. Croatia is coming up very soon, and we might be staying there for longer than we thought if we can't get this visa for Spain. But we'll see. Yes. We will see. Um, it also means that we're selling our house in Australia, which I'm kind of sad about because I put a lot of effort into making that house our home. Um, we still have a, a locked up room in there. We have tenants in there, but they can't yeah. access one room because we always intended on, on going back at some stage. So we're selling that house because it just simplifies things for the, the visa and tax process. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's underway. Yeah, it's, uh, it was originally going to be our home to return to. Yeah. But does that make us homeless when we go back to Australia? <laughs> I think that makes us homeless. Mm. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I can say now whenever I meet a homeless person, I know how you feel. 
<laughs> he says as he enjoys his warm, comfortable bed in Airbnbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that's our personal update. Nothing too exciting. Just just a lot of frustration. You know? mm. Frustration and sadness. Yeah, it's for sure a first world problem. Yeah, it is, <laughs> it is a first world problem. No, it is exciting. Even though we're kind of sad to let go of our home, um, it it opens up some doors for us in Europe. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Something to look for. Be one of those things. Once it's all done, said and done, it'll be like, ah, I forgot about how painful that was. I don't know what we're going to do with all of our stuff in the storage room, though. I think we'll probably just like hire some guy off Gumtree to drop it off at Vinny's. Yeah. Don't know. I mean, there is a good air fryer in there. There is a good air fryer. I've got like a whole bunch of undies in there. Will anyone want my secondhand undies? I don't know. Maybe someone will pay big well, bucks for them. As a homeless person myself, <laughs> I am. Um... <laughs> I could find a lot of value for those things. Could you? Yeah, yeah. I could see you in my undies, Dan. Yeah. That's a great Maybe idea. I could knit something out of them. Who knows? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. Shit talk aside. Shit talk aside. Shit tip to come. Yeah. We always end the podcast with a how to be less shit tip. So we'll wrap it up in that pretty boat. Yeah. So we're talking about diet types. Diet types. Talk us through the three categories or three types of diets. Well, yeah, three categories. We're going to say all diets fall within at least one of these three categories. Yes. First one being a food type restricted diet. Mm -hmm. Second one being a time restricted diet. Mm -hmm. And the third one being a calorie restricted diet. Okay. So shoot some diets at me and I'm going to tell you which one they fit into and then we'll, we'll clear this picture up. Carnival. Carnivore diet. So a carnivore diet is where you can only eat meat and no other food type. So that is a type restricted diet. Macro tracking. Would be a calorie restricted diet because we start with a calorie target and distribute those calories between the three things that make up calories, protein, carbs, and fats. Weight watchers. Weight watchers, also a calorie restricted diet because that's essentially a combination of calorie and macro tracking. They give, instead of saying this food has a hundred calories, they're like, this food has one point mm. and you have this many points to use up in a day. And intermittent fasting. Would be a time restricted diet because you can only eat in certain times of the day. Maybe give some examples, some other examples of um, type restricted diets, like clean eating yep. is a type restricted diet because paleo. you can, yeah, paleo type restricted so any detox programs are type restricted. You could only have this shake and these pills because you're detoxing your body. Amazonian lemons. <laughs> I don't even know if the Amazon has lemons in it. I don't but know it, either. I reckon if I sold that, someone would buy it. Someone might buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Basically pick a country where people don't understand <laughs> what goes on there and then just say this is from that place. Now, the reason that uh, it has to be an exotic place though because if you're 100%. from the Amazon and you try and sell someone an Amazonian lemon, they'll be like, isn't this just called These a lemon? Are just, it's like Chinese food in China. Isn't this just food? Sorry. Yeah, isn't this just a lemon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Now, how they quote unquote work, if somebody is starting a new diet that falls under one of these three categories, because all diets do, and they're trying to decide, does this diet work? It will work if. The calories are controlled. Yeah. Which it's kind of lame to say, because there's obviously a calorie restricted type diets here. But, you know, but they all fall under the same heading of success, should they be successful. And that is that they restrict your ability to consume a certain amount of calories to a point. The principle is the same. So let's say somebody goes from eating their feelings 24 hours of the day, right? And then they move to clean eating. What they've done is removed a whole bunch of foods that are calorie dense and moved to foods 
most of the time that are less calorie dense, also typically less delicious. So you want to eat less of it as well. Therefore, they are reducing the amount of calories they're eating, weight loss ensues. Mm. A detox program, we're replacing some or all meals with a shake or some pills, we're reducing calories. Uh, intermittent fasting, we're only eating for six hours of the day instead of 12 hours of the day. We're less likely to be over consuming on calories or we're more likely to be reducing our calorie intake. Mm-hmm. Uh, a points system or macro tracking or calorie tracking, right? We're reducing our calorie intake, but more of a direct route instead of an indirect route. Yeah. Calorie counting or calorie restricted diets are almost the most obvious in regards to how they work. But I think the problem in our industry is a lot of the time, the other two categories are attributed to being the successes. So like uh, if you restrict X food, this is why you'll lose weight. Or if you, you know, only for this time of the day, this is how much weight you can lose because you'll only burn fat. But the reality is they're still going back to the principle, that principle energy of calorie. Yeah. yeah. Like if someone starts a vegan diet and loses weight, they're like, ha meat makes you fat. No, sweetheart. You just reduced your calorie intake, you know? Um, the one that I hate, they just it's like a zombie. It gets chopped down and it just gets back up. The low carb diet. Mm-hmm. I just I feel my blood pressure rising whenever people say that, you know, carbs make you fat. I said, well, no, when you stopped eating foods that were high in carbohydrates, you just reduced your calorie intake. And mm. carbohydrates are, are so important for so many reasons. And this is the confusion that people have between the method and the principle. The method is whatever diet type you choose, reducing carbs, going vegan, intermittent fasting, whatever. The principle is the same. But when people confuse them, they think, oh, it was the meat. Oh, it was the carbs. Oh, it was eating after 6 p.m. No, Mm. it wasn't. Pretty much. Yeah, Yeah, essentially. So, Dean, let's talk about um, guarantees of weight loss success between these three categories. If somebody wants to choose a category of diet, type-restricted, time-restricted, or calorie-restricted, which one would guarantee results the most? Provided it was followed, mm-hmm. obviously, it would be the calorie-restricted diet. Okay. Because, again, we're, we're coming back to the principles of the fact that it's energy in versus energy out. If you manage that balance appropriately via calorie control, you can achieve whatever outcome it is you desire, whether it be weight loss or weight gain. Okay. So how is it that someone can go clean eating or low-carb or Atkins or whatever uh, and not lose weight or gain weight for that matter? How, how is that yeah. possible? Because the, they can essentially overconsume calories. Yeah. You know, there's no recognition that the food that you're consuming comes with a calorie allotment. Mm. Therefore, you can have this perception that I'm doing the diet type justice and correctly by eating all of these foods, but you may be actually overconsuming in calories mm. and then not losing weight accordingly. Yeah. So if someone's eating paleo, for example, and they eat paleo bars, that's coconut, dates, maybe honey, like all these really calorie dense foods but it fits within the food type restriction. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah, similarly, like clean eating, if they're eating nuts and seeds in abundance or, you know, fresh fruit with nuts and seeds in abundance or something of the kind where they're just completely unaware of the calorie uh, distribution of that diet, Mm. then there's every chance that they could gain weight. Mm. Yeah. So I guess the message here is if somebody's following a food type diet or a time restricted diet, you're more likely to have your calories reduced but it's not a guarantee Mm. in saying that if someone follows a calorie restricted diet, often we find that people set their calories too low and they just can't follow it. 
Mm. or they're tracking their macros in my fitness pal, for example, and they're using the search function to search like banana sandwich. And it comes up with, you know, 20 different options and you don't know which one to choose and you just select one. There can be huge accuracy issues as well. Mm. Um, or maybe people are only focusing on the calories and the macros only and not giving enough attention to food quality. And so, you know, they get sick and they don't track when they're sick or they're just too hungry all the time. So they end up overeating. Yeah. So Dean, like you mentioned before, it's only a guarantee of success if you're consistent with it. Yeah, and it's just and, and accurate enough mm. and the calories are set appropriately. Yeah, because I mean, we can look at the extreme type diets that have been used in popular uh, sort of media you know we had the dude who did the supersize me mcdonald's mm -hmm. one we've had a potato type diet mm. that someone's shown tremendous weight loss success didn't they on. only eat potatoes only for ate months? potatoes for months and yeah. lost a tremendous amount of weight so and that ended was, up in hospital that was a food type diet but just by virtue of obviously being potato i think he also time restricted to be honest but did um, he? he lost a lot of weight comes with some consequences which we can probably delve into later if, if there's time um but we've even seen the twinkie diet Mm. you know and now if people to say that clean eating is the only way we can lose weight because the food type is controlled well we could actually like there's a dude who ate twinkies and lost weight mm. so can we say that twinkies are weight loss tools probably not but if you eat too few of them to match your calorie balance then you're going to lose weight mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure there you know even though i'm shitting on clean eating a little bit here um, because, you know, as a weight loss tool, there is no guarantee of weight loss. Yeah. There are plenty of other reasons why something like clean eating shouldn't be followed. It does, you know, give you a dichotomous view of food, food being good or bad. And some people can attach their worth to it. If I eat clean food, you know, or good food, oh, yeah. I am good. If I eat bad food, I am bad. And it does give us this mindset. Actually, with any clean eating aside, any food type diet, it does give us this idea of good food and bad food, you know, low yeah. carb, high carb, good, bad. Um, and it is almost always completely subjective. What do you mean? In that most people, means, but... yeah, most people attribute this good, bad, clean, dirty to foods subjectively without any kind of criteria mm -hmm. to determine like whether it is classified as clean. Now, I know they would normally say it's like minimally processed or whatever it may be, but what you can typically see is you can take a, a combination of ingredients in one hand, the same combination in another hand, put them together into two separate recipes, and one would be attributed to clean and one would be attributed Give to, me an to bad. A good example for me is a flatbread with a salad on the side mm -hmm. versus the same flatbread wrapped as a burrito. Right, okay. The perception is that the burrito the is, bad. is bad and or dirty, you know, and that the, the flatbread is just an addition to an otherwise clean salad, mm. um, especially if it's organic sourdough, you know, <laughs> um, made from spelt from the Amazon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't know if the Amazon have spelt. <laughs> but the point is, is that there's this subjective perception of what is clean for the most part. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it also uh, puts in our minds that there's certain foods that we should restrict and then we can put ourselves in this like restrict overeating cycle because I, I don't restrict broccoli. I never crave broccoli. People often restrict chocolate and they stop thinking about chocolate, Lizzie. Why are you thinking about chocolate? Distract yourself from chocolate. And all you're doing is thinking about chocolate. Mm. So we want to be reducing feelings of restriction and food type diets don't help with that. No. Yeah. And then you could fall victim to that whole last supper concept too once you actually do consume that food that you've been restricted you to tend so to overeat it or you think oh it's mm. the last opportunity so you just go ham on it yeah mm. well this kind of uh smoothly takes us into our next subtopic which is which diet should we choose 
Uh, and the answer is something that you find enjoyable enough. And that's likely not something that puts heavy restrictions on you. Something that's flexible because ideally we don't really want to be thinking about the way we eat as being on a diet. We want to be thinking of it as having a healthy diet mm. and being on a diet and having a healthy diet are two separate things. Um, and we want to be doing something that we can do Monday to Friday and on weekends and on holidays. Sure, there might be a little bit more or less of this or that if we're on holidays as opposed to Monday or Friday, but the framework should still be the same. Mm. So it should be enjoyable enough, sustainable enough, uh, sorry, flexible enough. And those two things make it sustainable. Mm. It means that we can do it for long periods of time. Yeah, I, um, I know we said that we had planned before this, that mm. I didn't just come to this without knowing what I was talking about, but I'll... Yeah. I was just about to say, yeah, I think like people need to understand that it's about finding and uh, following a nutritional, and I was going to say framework. Okay. And then you jumped in with the framework comment. I'm sorry. It's almost like we've done this before. <laughs> but um, I think that's really important because it's, it's if you understand that you can follow a nutritional flame, framework, that's actually where the flexibility of mindset, I think, is super beneficial. Mm. So yes, it needs to be flexible and that you have the opportunity to potentially shift gears with food type, time-restricted feeding, um, or calorie restriction, how you manage those three concepts. Um, but it's the flexibility in the framework that I think gives people the real opportunity to have a sustainable approach. Hmm. Maybe you can give us an example, sorry, putting you on the spot here, of like what flexibility within a diet might look like. In, in action or you mean in regards to like the mindset around it? In action. Yeah. So like, um, oh, I'll just draw on what I typically like to do. I mean, as you, as you guys know, we are, we are currently traveling. There's an abundance of various foods that are available for us to try. And we're part of traveling for us is experiencing the local food and all the rest of it. So sometimes we're going to eat some food that we don't necessarily know what's in it calorie wise. Sometimes it's going to be high fat. Sometimes it's going to be low fat. Sometimes it's going to be high carb. There's all of these potential periods of time where we eat with zero clue as to what it is. Um, so what I like to typically do in regards to being flexible is I set up my day so that like most of my meals are somewhat the same and they're going to have a, a lean protein serve to a, a decent serve that I, you know, maybe palm size for, for meat or a certain amount of eggs or something like that. I'm always going to have some veggies and then what's going to be flexible for me is then how much carbs or fats I may add with the uh, sort of preemptive thought of like, are we going out for dinner tonight? And then my last meal of the day will change quite considerably depending on Okay. What I'm doing. So you're always having uh, calories more or less considered in your mind, and you're always going lean protein and veg, but it's the additions to the meals that change depending on if we're eating out that day, if we had a snack earlier, yeah. something like that. Yeah, that's my flexibility there. Or yeah, yeah, if we had ice cream, I'm like, ah, I had ice cream with my lunch today. So tonight I'm not going to have a full cream of rice. I'm just going to have a, a protein and fruit. Or yeah. Like. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this kind of highlights the fact that Dean and I, uh, well, we previously were macro tracking, uh, but we also incorporated other diet types, but also none at all. Mm. So we were macro tracking, meaning we knew what our calorie target was for the day. We distributed those calories between protein, carbs, and fats, but we didn't only stop there. We also looked at food quality. That doesn't mean that we only eat clean food. It means that most of the time we're enjoying whole foods, fresh fruits and vegetables and lean proteins, you know, choosing complex carbs over just mm. lollies, for example. Um, but we also consider, we're not intermittent fasters, but we also consider appropriate meal times as well. It's not that we have strict feeding and fasting times like intermittent fasters do, but I don't start eating my first meal until later in the day, like mm. 10, 10.30. Because if I start, when we get up at like, well, it depends. 
in Australia, it was like five here, it's like 6.30. But if, if we start eating from the second we get up in the morning, at least for me, I'm really hungry by the time it gets to dinner and I've already eaten my calories by then. So I still consider meal timing. So I guess you, it's like a modified intermittent fasting type yeah, method. there's some, some form yeah. of time restriction. On With it. macro tracking, but also like elements of clean eating without the dichotomous idea of food being good and bad. Just the idea that I mostly want to be eating unprocessed, good quality foods. Mm. Um, but then there's quite a lot of individual variability in how you and I attack this too. In that, mm -hmm. uh, Interestingly, and this, and this is part of the, uh, the freedom of understanding different diet types, understanding that it all comes back down to calories and now understanding the fact that you need to have some sustainability to your approaches that I have a far, far, far greater calorie allotment to maintain my body weight than, than what you do, yeah. right? Um, not double, but it's getting up there. Yet in the morning, like you start your day typically with a piece of toast and, and a coffee. Yeah, because I don't um, start eating my first full meal until later. Yeah, and you might have mm. even some peanut butter on it or whatever you choose, some honey, like... Whatever it may be. Rarely, but yeah. I don't eat at all until 10 o'clock. Yeah. And then you might snack on something that I think is like, it wouldn't keep me very full, whether, the, I don't know what that might be. Again, like another piece of toast or a, something like that. Whereas I- Later only, in the day. Yeah, I only stick to, to full meals. Mm. So despite the fact that I have a larger calorie allotment, Liz understands that she prefers to have the toast in the morning with that, whatever condiment she chooses at the time, because that makes it, that, that, that diet sustainable for her. I just enjoy something with my coffee in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I, I don't. So even yeah. though I have a greater calorie allotment and people may look at it and go, oh, she's actually eating a fairly highly palatable food that's relatively simple in its approach. It doesn't have a protein, so it's not tending to be quite satiating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's still sustainable for you because that's your preference. Mm, and that means that my main meals have to mainly always be lean protein and veg because mm. my uh, energy demands or my calorie targets for the day are much lower than Dean's. And I like to give a fair amount of calories to snacks. Uh, whereas Dean, his meals are much larger. He can have a, a, a larger variety of calorie dense foods added to the meals because mm. that's what his calorie targets are. So it's under, this, this is sort of where the foundations of the book, um, Life After Dieting, A Guide to Informed Eating came from, which is the first flex success book that was brought out. It was understanding your individual needs, mm. right? Under, uh, an understanding of nutrition, sort of like what calories and macros are in foods, what foods you find satiating, and also your personal preferences. What foods do you like eating? How do you like to set that up? Um, it, it needs to be enjoyable enough so that your needs and what you know about food fits within your preferences. Mm. How, how does that work with your timetable? Yeah, and there's no right mm. or wrong here. No, no, yeah. I mean, that's except, like... Except if it is dichotomous, like you said. Yeah. We, we could argue that that is definitely, well, I shouldn't say definitely, but it is likely wrong in that we don't want to potentially lend ourselves towards more harm. And there, there you go. There's the video that just decided to cut itself out. Oh, no. That's all right. We can get this edited. I'm just stop talking. Yeah. Our camera just went black for a sec. So a little mm -hmm. tech issue if you're watching mm -hmm. there on YouTube, but we're back. Um, now, often when people are choosing diet types, they will shoot straight to macro tracking because it's just really popular right now. And everyone seems to be doing it. Everyone seems to be promoting it. But we thought maybe we would quickly unpick some of the problems that may occur with macro tracking when it's implemented without care or without proper assistance. Mm. Yeah, I think some people often 
refer to macro tracking as the gold standard because it has the most control, mm-hmm. right? Like it's fine tuning your calorie control, uh, but it, yeah, it doesn't come with without problems. Mm, yeah, and so some of those problems might be uh, anxiety around food when somebody doesn't know exactly how to track the meal. Maybe it's a meal out something that a partner cooked for them that they didn't weigh. Mm. Uh, It could be calorie hoarding. So wanting to have a giant meal. So you save 80% of your calories for dinner and you're just starving during the day. That looks very similar to the restrict binge cycle, Mm -hmm. doesn't it, Dean? Um, Even even hoarding calorie-dense, highly palatable, low-nutrient-dense foods, mm. knowing that they're controlling. So, like, they may just do protein and veggies all day long, even though they've got three and a half thousand calories to consume, just so they can have ten donuts. Yeah, you know, as opposed to understanding that maybe one or two is fine. Yeah, mm. yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, even just the idea that food is only macros and only calories matter. Yeah. I mean, energy balance, calories in, calories out, is what matters for weight loss. But when it comes to health and mood, how you feel, recovery your ability to stay on track long-term and not fucking hate your diet and, you know, food types do matter as well. Yeah. I think the problem there is a lot of people think of how they feel acutely, right? Like, so like mm. they change and they, they go from not controlling calories, whatever it was they're doing. They go to macro tracking, they figure out they can have a donut. So then they eat five donuts and they eat 10 donuts or pop tarts was the hilarious thing that people used to do. In yeah. the past. But they lose some weight, they feel better, they get active and they think, see, look, this doesn't make a difference. But what they're not recognizing is the longevity of your health is determined by your long-term approach to nutrition as well. Yeah. Um, and five, 10, 20 years down the track is where those sorts of behaviors is potentially going to show its, its uh, or rear its ugly head, as they say. Yeah. And you know what? Like uh, picking the best parts of your wardrobe and putting it together in an outfit that looks good we can do the same with diet types. We can pick the best parts of macro tracking and the best parts of intermittent fasting and the best parts of this and that and combine it into something that works for us, Mm. which is, you know, if you are a macro tracker, you want to be thinking about meal timing and food quality. That doesn't mean we can't have any treats. It just means we don't want to fill our whole diet with treats because what, it fits our macros. Mm. Yeah, but what about fruits and veg and fiber and satiation and, you know. Yeah, well, I've got a limited amount of calories available for me to, to eat today. Yeah. Maybe I can limit the time in which I do that so I do feel full. Yeah. So yeah, then yeah. we're using the time, you know, and then we can also consider the type, but less of a less in a restrictive manner and more in a take advantage of understanding food type diets mm. in that non-starchy, you know, even cruciferous vegetables. We know they're very low in calories, so we're going to fill our plate up with those, mm-hmm. you know. We have less carbs this week than what we did last week. Maybe we're going to remove the rice from our, our nutrition plan and, and swap it for potato. Yeah, right. And people aren't making those choices because they have to eat those food types to lose weight, but rather they're choosing to use those food types as a tool to help them manage their calories and stay fuller for longer. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So it's just really important to understand these things so that we can have sustainability in our new approach to nutrition and be successful long-term because without being wise or intentional about the way we go about things, it's, it's not setting us up for success. Mm. And I think, I think we can um, lean on these various categories to learn from each one of them too, because there's positives and negatives to all of them. Like we've said, like Mm. one of the other ones in macro tracking that a lot of people don't give too much time to, which they should is, they start to reduce their capacity or ability to recognize like what is true hunger. We spoke about homeostatic versus mm. hedonic the other week. 
um, if you're unaware of those terms, listen to that podcast. It was called um, Understanding Diet Types, I think. Uh, yeah, diet, uh, understanding, understanding Hunger Types. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that they start to become uh, incapable of recognising these things because they're just eating to numbers and right. they're not being mindful when they consume their foods, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Right? And you may hear like anecdote from somebody who moves to a keto or paleo diet that they're always full and they don't feel that hungry. So what can we learn from that? Like, does that mean that diet is better? No, it just means that perhaps the food types within that diet are more, more conducive to being satiated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then similarly, you can have people like that are on time restrictions. Like, I love time restricted feeding because it means that I can still have some calorie dense foods because I'm eating 1500 calories, but I'm only doing it in six hours. Mm. It's like, oh, well, what can we learn there? Okay, maybe we can time restrict feed. And now we can kind of combine all these concepts, like we said yeah. at the very beginning of this podcast and say, None of these are neither good nor bad, but they could be good or bad in actual practice, mm. you know, contextually. Well, we could probably say the carnivore diet is bad, <laughs> yeah. can't we? Yeah. Well, we can say that, you know, having some meat in your meals may not necessarily be a bad idea. Well, you know what? That's yeah. true because vegans are likely getting insufficient protein. Yeah. Um, carnivores are getting definitely sufficient protein, but... Insufficient in- micronutrients. <laughs> yeah. Although they fiber. would try and argue otherwise, but... Yeah. I think um, any of these diets that are on the extreme end of it mm. you know, are, are usually, you know what, they can be done and they can probably be done with relatively decent nutritional uh, consideration if and only if you are willing to learn a shitload about human nutrition mm. and then implement it accordingly. Right, you know? okay. Because there's going to be some deficiencies in all of them if, they, if you just go at it, have at it without thinking about it too much. Yeah, 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 for sure. I agree with that. Um, so Dean, shall we move on to the less shit tip of what, what diet should we choose? And that can be a less shit tip. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you shouldn't choose any of the diets in isolation. I think that's a less shit tip. I wouldn't recommend that you choose one diet type and go for it. Why is that? Uh, because it's going to be restrictive in one way or another that is non-sustainable for you long-term mm-hmm. more than likely. Mm-hmm. Rather, I think what you should do is you should you should look at all of the available diet types or diet concepts, maybe, or as we said in the beginning, diet frameworks, mm-hmm. uh, and pick and choose bits and pieces of it, like a pick and mix at the shop for lollies, and be like, eh, all of these lollies are a good choice, but I like pineapples and whatever else. Yeah. Choose, okay. Know. It's also worth considering that you don't have to follow a diet to manage your body weight. Like, does that mean that everyone was obese before all of these diets were created? No. Most people just accidentally control their energy balance because they were more active and didn't have access to these highly palatable calorie-dense foods. So it's it's only helpful when we have this, what we call obesogenic environment, this environment where we're encouraged to move less. You know, we've got... Um, robot vacuum cleaners we don't need to do that anymore we just catch public transport everywhere or drive a car we don't walk anymore Uh, we press a button on the washing machine we don't have to like be scrubbing our clothes Mm -hmm. and mcdonald's is around the corner so these diet types might be helpful in an obesogenic environment to help you manage your calorie intake and it's not absolutely necessary if you're in an environment where it's fairly easy just to make better choices and move more than do that yeah i feel like a diet type approach to nutrition is almost like only learning how to drive a car in an empty public car space, like in a car park, right? Uh-huh. You can learn the basics. You'll probably do all right. But the moment you go and thrust yourself into society where there's a thousand cars around you, you're going to Roundabouts freak, and freak the fuck lights, out and make yeah. some mistakes. Uh-huh. And, you know, and you can kind of think of that as the same as that, like, if you want to just follow a diet type 
unknowing to you as to why it's working. Mm. It'll work for a period of time, but as soon as you step back into the obesogenic society, you're like, oh shit, I need to get some new skills now. Like, what do I do on holidays when I can't mm. just eat clean? Oh yeah. 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 That's it. There are lots of considerations. Okay. So the less shit tip is be intentional with your choices, right? Don't just like jump into something. Consider what works for you, what parts of a diet you like. You can combine them. Yeah. And ask yourself, how long can I truly sustain this for? Mm, for sure. And I do think this is complicated. Uh, and so if you think you need some guidance, mm. we do one-on-one coaching consults. We've got books to guide mm. you, you know, all yeah. the good stuff. I will just quickly asterisk this before we move move on to the, the best part of this podcast as always, which is the would you rather, <laughs> and say that there's actually nothing wrong with doing a fairly restricted diet for a point in time. Mm-hmm. If the goal is to, you know, achieve a given weight loss in a certain amount of time, that comes with some pros and cons, but there's nothing wrong with saying, all right, well, I'm just going to follow a time-restricted feeding, clean-eating diet that's paleo. Yeah, or a very low-calorie diet. Yeah, if it drives yeah. the result in six weeks from now, and you might look at that and go, this is not sustainable. It's like, yes, okay. But again, like Liz said, you have to be intentionally choosing and understanding that it isn't sustainable and that you need to then consider beyond the first six weeks or whatever that You need an exit strategy. What's the exit strategy? Uh, And that's when you might pick and choose from these categories that we've been talking about on this podcast to then try and make it more sustainable. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like I know that there are some people who need to lose weight quickly to, you know, be eligible for a surgery, for example. So maybe jumping on a VLCD, a very low calorie diet, is the the best idea for now but can they stick to vlcds long term no no absolutely not but is does that mean they should just go back to the environment that made them obese in the first place probably not Mm. um hey actually just on the note of vlcds i don't know who came up with the 1200 calorie diet being like the amount of calories that everyone eats when they start dieting um but it's worth mentioning that i you know maintain my weight on 2000 calories what are you on? 3,500 maybe. Somewhere. Nearly double. <clears throat> if Dean was to move to a 1,200 calorie diet, my God, would he lose weight really quickly. And you'd probably lose quite a substantial amount of muscle as well. Yeah, if I did it for an extended period of time, for sure. Yeah. Whereas I would probably lose weight pretty fast, but 1,200 calories is what? Uh, 40% calorie deficit for me, Mm. like a 70% calorie deficit for you. So my risk of muscle loss would be lower. I would also lose weight, not as quickly, still pretty bloody quickly. Mm. Um, But if I have a client that, you know, is under-trained, under-muscled, is really just short and small, they weigh 55 or, you know, 52 kilos, for example, putting them on a 1200 calorie diet might not create the weight loss results that they want. That wouldn't be a very low calorie diet for them Mm. because their maintenance calories might only be 1400. So 1200 calories is only a 200 calorie deficit for them. It's an 800 calorie deficit for me, a quadrillion calorie deficit for Dean. I did the math in my head really quickly Mm. and came up with a quadrillion. No, I've checked it. It's accurate. Yeah, good, good. Mm. So it's, it's worth considering what your individual needs are and what this diet actually puts you on. We don't need to know exactly, but more or less. Yeah, I mean, if I did the VLCD or just a protein and veggie diet, I would think the results are amazing. Yeah. But I would, and I would think it's because of the food types that I chose when really it's just the calorie deficit achieved is astronomical for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And when people go on diets that have very low calories, you know, maybe it's a detox diet or something and it's not sustainable, they feel really hungry, really restricted. And what can happen is something called overshooting. So they gain the weight back 
because they feel so restricted, they end up overeating on the food that they previously restricted. Um, in the process of losing the weight because their calories were so low, potentially their protein was way too low as well, they might have lost some muscle. So when they regain the weight, they don't regain muscle, they've regained the fat. Mm. Um, and maybe even more so, maybe they lost five kilos, they gained six, but they're in a worse position now because now they've got less muscle as well. Yeah. And that's a vicious circle because then that starts to... Then they're like, oh, no, now I've got to lose this weight that I've gained. And so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the additional weight makes the dieting harder again and you just start to get further and further away from the goalposts. So, yeah. Um, Don't do extreme things is maybe the, the lesson. Not there. unless you are very informed on what, it's, what it entails or mm. you have somebody to guide you through it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Dean, would you rather... No. no? Something we're sharing. Oh, sorry, of course. We always we like we go to... for a travel tip, something we're sharing today. Yeah, we like to share something. And when we don't have a guest on, one of us will share it. Yeah. So when we're in a, a different different area of the world, we like to try and find some different kind of touristic things to do. Well, you know, when you go to... Is that to... a word, touristic? I think it's a word. Yeah, yeah touristic. It's you a... know, when you go to tripadvisor.com, you're like 10 things to do in Portugal and it comes up with like, visit this museum. Yeah. Go to this museum. Go kayaking. Yeah, go to this. You're like... Or you could also go to this museum. <laughs> there is nothing uh, off the beaten track no. on those websites. Yeah, so there is a website. I think they may even have an app now called Atlas, as in like the world. Atlas. Obscura. Uh, O-B-S-C-U-R-A. Look, I can't spell my own name, so don't um, ask me. Yeah, and it's uh, it shows like different things. Like, check out this cathedral that has walls made out of human bones. Oh, that was cool. Or where was that again? Uh, on the way to Tavira in Portugal was one that we saw. We yeah. also saw another one, the skull, the skull church or skull cemetery in um, Hallstatt in, in Austria. Austria. I went to one not with you, but I went to one in Cambodia as mm. well. I went to yeah, it's, it's a weird common thing yeah cathedrals made out of um, skulls yeah or it might even be like this hotel was abandoned in 1975 <sighs> because of x reason and you can jump the fence and go and check it out so we went dean and i went to one it was an abandoned hospital wasn't it or like a in croatia in croatia on the water yeah yeah is it yeah, a hospital? Is there a hospital yeah it was so creepy. It was like, I don't know, 10 levels and all these balconies overlooking the ocean, but totally abandoned. Oh, you're thinking of the hotel? Yeah. Is that it? Was it? That was hotel? in, yeah, that was in Dubrovnik. Yeah. Oh, and then there was also the children's also hospital. hospital yeah. That was a separate one. And then this abandoned uh, train graveyard in Budapest. Yeah. Um, in Hungary. And it had some trains from, um, they believe they're from Nazi the Holocaust, Germany. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they were just trains just sitting inside a warehouse, getting, having trees grow through them. It was actually a car that, had a tree in the growing of it. through its roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you like to do some different unique things that aren't quite like museum. <laughs> I don't know if it's polite to say this, but most museums make me want to have a nap, honestly. Oh yeah. There was there's been some sick museums that we've been to, but I'd say that's probably like one in every eight museums that mm. I visit. Yeah, mm. they're not my jam. I mean I like to walk through them, but I just can't be bothered to stop and read all the time. <laughs> I would much rather go through with a tour guide, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's why, that's another travel tip quickly. Get a bloody tour guide. Yeah. Is do a, do a free walking tour the day you arrive or it the day after. It doesn't have to be free. No, any, a walking tour of the yeah. city that you're in the day of your arrival, the day after, because you'll have a far greater appreciation of the area you're in. Um, and two, you'll also get some, obviously, some local tips. Maybe you'll make a friend or two. That's true. Unless you're like me. <laughs> I make no friends. <laughs> that's all right. I can make enough friends for the both of us. All right, now, would you rather? Dean, coming up with this on the spot. 
for the next 10 years, would you rather follow a, oh, no, that one's too harsh. Okay. I was going to say carnivore diet, but you'd probably rather starve to death than follow the carnivore diet, I imagine. Would you rather follow intermittent fasting where your feeding window is only four hours a day? Uh-huh. So a 20 hour fasting window or oh, like a, an Atkins diet? Atkins being high fat, right? Hmm. Is, am I calorie restricted on the, on the, either of these? No, but it means like no potatoes, no. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think I could do the time restricted pretty comfortably. Four hours. You only can eat for four I've hours I've done a day. it before. But you have 3,500 calories. For 10 years is difficult. Ten, the 10 years is the problem. Yeah. And I, I could definitely enjoy an Atkins diet. If I'm, if I'm truly honest, if I remove the gluttony of a four-hour feeding window of 3,500 calories, um, because sometimes I would, I would you complain about how much food you have to eat. I would do the Atkins diet purely because I think like, I mean, I would do it even if it was a vegan diet. And there's quite a few diet types that I would follow with freedom of time, purely because I'm a social person too in regards to eating. And I would hate to just be like, sorry, I can't come to dinner tonight because it's not within my window. But you could also say, sorry, I can't come to dinner tonight because there's no, you know, uh, Atkins everywhere has meat, to... you know. Yeah, right. You, you know. could just eat steak or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so probably Atkins. Okay. What about you? Oh, I would enjoy intermittent fasting more than Atkins, I think. But for 10 years, I'm not but sure. But for 10 years, I'm going to go Atkins because that means I could never like go out for, like same as you said, sorry, I can't come out for breakfast. It's not mm. in my eating window. It just wouldn't be flexible enough for me. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, I did, I did intermittent fasting for about four months mm. and it was, it was cool. What it was, was your feeding and fasting windows? Uh, it started at 16 and 8. Okay, 16 it, fasting, 8 feeding. It ended up at about 20 and 4. Why? Uh, it became a bit of a game. And this is, the funnily enough, we're talking about this, some of the pros and cons here is that I think intermittent fasting can sometimes become a bit of a game where you just start to restrict for longer and longer and longer and longer and longer just to test yourself out, which isn't, you know, it's nice to see what you're capable of. Um, but then your feeding windows become shorter, which means the meals become larger. God, you'd have some digestion issues, wouldn't you? I was definitely full. I mean, and then the difference too is like, because I came in it from an informed approach, I was still eating a minimum amount of fruit and vegetables, whereas I think a lot of people go the other when way. When Dean says he's eating a minimum amount of fruit and vegetables, what he means is he's eating at least his daily minimums, not that he's reducing his fruit and vegetable. Intake. And they were my expected. Yeah, like I was, I think I set back then was 500, 500. 500 so grams, 500 of, grams of vegetables, non-starch, 500 grams of fruit had to be consumed first in the feeding window before I would then have a bowl of ice cream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which made for some difficult eating. I can imagine yeah. in four yeah. hours. Yeah. Damn. I used to have a monster pasta vegetable meal. It was huge to start my, to start my, break my fast. It was honestly like 400 grams of veggies in one meal. They're done with the pasta. Oh. It was massive. I couldn't fit it on a plate. That sounds uncomfortable. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> we'll wrap it up there. Story time with Dean and <laughs> thanks for listening to our ted talk (laughs) we will see you in the next episode yes bye everyone yeah